I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I like whale blubber for breakfast. And I'm Obstinensky, and you know I was in that masturbation contest. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. Ob, we've made it to season two, and today we're going to talk about the season two premiere, The Car Salesman, which originally aired on September 23rd, 2001. Uh, Av, by this point in time, I think you had already uh, come back to the United States after a very short year abroad in Israel. Is that correct? Oh, I'd been back probably for over a month at this point. Okay. <laughs> so what were you there, for six days? Uh, Eleven. Oh, an, a 11-day year. Okay, so I was yeah. I was in Israel uh, with no access to cable at the time, so I certainly was not watching this live. You still were not on Curb Live by the beginning of Season 2, right? No, definitely not. It was either Season 3 or Season 4 when I started. I Maybe I'll remember when we get up to there. It'll yeah. click. All right, so why don't we jump right into Season 2? Yep. So uh, we start with the episode, and Larry is sitting in bed um, in a hotel room at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. We see the outside of the hotel. Uh, he is watching the Maury show when Cheryl walks in, and she's upset that he's not dressed and ready. And she's even more upset that he seems to not have left the spot in the bed since the moment she left her left him this morning. Uh, he's apparently just been sitting in bed all day watching trashy daytime television. Um, and Cheryl's very frustrated by this. Um, she tells him, you know, you need to go get dressed because we have to go meet that woman to go see the house. And Larry wants to see which person on the Maury show is going to get rehabilitated from boot camp and just asking for a few more minutes. Cheryl wants to know, you know, are you ever going to work again or are you retired now? What's the story? What's going on here? And Larry's just continues acting out the show. He's, you know, doing his impression. You don't know me. Go fuck yourself, like waving his finger. Um, and, you know, so what becomes clear is that they are the Davids are now living in a hotel because they sold their old house. Oh, maybe we don't find this out to the next scene. But so yeah. we. But uh, it makes no sense, though. They sold their house and moved yeah. into a hotel. Why didn't they buy a new house before they sold the old ones? So they wouldn't have to move into a hotel, move twice. Correct. Yeah. Where's I mean, that's what stuff? like. None of this yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That's what like 90% of people do, especially yeah. extraordinarily rich people. Yeah. Like there, there should There's be no, no like. It's not yeah. like they had to sell their house at a given time. It's not like they had to move for. They were just moving because of a convenience of, of a wire, basically. Yeah. Which, all right. It's not the type of thing that makes your house uninhabitable that like yeah. you must move out immediately. Like just don't go in the backyard or just like sense. go in the backyard and like be a little annoyed. But yeah, it doesn't so make any sense. So I think the real answer is that the house, house they had rented for season one was no longer available to film in. So they had to come up with a new house. And then they decided, so they just wanted hey, to explain it. we'll make the house search part of the series, part of the season. But because they literally didn't have that house, they couldn't even film anything in it. So they had to start the the, the next yeah. season in a hotel. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess they could have just like not shown where they're living at the moment and just like pretend that they're still in the old house and just like have yeah, the Larry and Cheryl. Coffee shop yeah, exactly. But, but whatever. whatever. I guess that's just the way they yeah. decided to go. Yeah. But it, I agree. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so uh, as we said, we're, we see them. They're outside the house. Larry thinks the house is too big. 
um, the uh, the real estate agent and, and we instantly to- recognize this house as the house that they live in for yes, most of the many seasons. Of the series. Correct. Um, and the real estate agent tells them that these are highly made, motivated sellers. Uh, they're ready to move in a few days. And here's the kicker. They're even open to a cash offer, yeah. which, <laughs> which, you know, anyone who's ever bought a house before, um, every seller is open to a, a cash offer because it's superior to a leveraged offer. So the, 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 this is just like, obviously, whoever wrote this doesn't understand basics of real estate sales. But there, you know, a cash offer is better because you know yes. cash. Um, anyway, so they get invited to the house by a woman named Barbara. Everything looks very nice. Um, she shows them the great view that they have from the porch here. Larry comments that his father was an Italian fisherman. I don't know why he decides to tell this obvious lie. Um, Barbara mentions that she saw a whale breach earlier this morning. Larry asks if he would be able to shoot from the terrace because he likes blubber with his breakfast. Again, this is very bizarre Larry behavior, um, even for Larry David. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It was very strange. My issue is yet another sort of error of the house buying process. When the woman first answers the door, it's not clear whether she's the selling agent or the homeowner. We quickly discover she's the homeowner. This is not as egregious as the cash offer or the moving into a hotel because sometimes you will find the owners there, but almost all the time you will not find the owners there. It's just the selling agent because they don't really want the buyers and owners, uh, the prospective buyers and sellers to meet each other, certainly not at this early stage. Yeah, only bad things could happen from that, generally speaking. Although in this Um, case, well... Yeah. Anyway, so the real estate agent wisely remarks that Barbara should not pay any attention to Larry. Yes. Um, all of a sudden, the, uh, the the man of the house, Jay Schneider, walks in. Um, he recognizes Larry. He says he used to call him during the Seinfeld days. I guess they, they were in touch about various business things. And he mentions that he has recently signed Jason Alexander into his uh, managerial clients. And it's finding that it's been very frustrating to find acting roles for Jason because everyone wants him to just still be George from Seinfeld. And, of course, George is an idiot. And it's a shame because Jason's actually a very talented actor who could branch out and play all sorts of different characters. And he's just not getting the work that he deserves. Um, Larry, is we see, is very uh, visibly upset by this remark that, like, George is an idiot, which we'll, uh, we'll come back to later in the episode. Yeah, um, and and this is one of the interesting things because you know you and I both came to curb with a decade of Seinfeld super fandom behind you know in our back pocket already, and we at least speaking for myself when I first started watching Seinfeld as a kid I had no idea who Larry David was I didn't know that that George Costanza's character was based on somebody. One yeah. of the really fun parts to me of watching Curb over the last two decades, not as much now because, but at least in the early seasons of Curb was was seeing you know the the layers of the onion. Peeled as I learned, oh, actually, George Costanza is just Larry David. Yeah, and to a large part, like Curb Your Enthusiasm is like a hypothetical version of George Costanza if he like fell into like Los Angeles high yeah. society with millions of dollars yeah. and like how that translates into that social setting. Yeah. Um, so Jay suggests, you know, maybe Larry and Jason should, you know, let's get the band back together. Maybe you guys could work on a project together. Um, for some reason, Larry decides to reach out and touch Jay's sweater, which is certainly a thing we've seen George Costanza do as well. Um, He admires it. He asks what it's made of. Jay says it's 100% cashmere. Larry immediately seems very skeptical of this. Um, And again, the the obsession with cashmere, another George Costanza. uh, (laughs) Which means it's really a Larry David thing. Yeah, exactly. But it's very meta in this episode, of course. Yeah. Um, so Larry and, and Cheryl uh, exit the house. Cheryl says she loves the house. She thinks it's perfect. Larry says it's fine. 
Um, Larry is, seems much more concerned with the percentage of cashmere in Jay's sweater. He thinks it's at most 35, 40, maybe 50%, and therefore they shouldn't trust him because if he's lying about the sweater, who knows, who knows what else he's lying about with respect yes. to the house. It could be a house sound, for example. That's right. It could be only the right. It could be only a twenty percent is really pure uh, wood. I don't know. I don't know what the house is made of. Anyway, um, we see uh, next scene. Larry and Jeff are having lunch. Larry is still obsessed with the sweater. I don't know why he's even still bringing this up. Jeff wasn't even there, but obviously this is very uh, strongly on his mind still. Jeff says that he thinks that if uh, if Larry were to work with Jason again, that would be a really good idea. But Larry doesn't really love the idea of. Yeah, of course, TV it'd be a great again. idea for Jeff because yeah, right. Jeff needs Larry to do something so he can make some, you know, money. Yeah, he takes his <laughs> usual ten percent of all the yes. money and all the food and the food, of course. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but Jeff says, "Like, listen, you need to work." Uh, to which Larry responds that being married is plenty of work. Um. Jeff says that Richard Lewis wants Jeff to take over as his new manager, and he wants to know from Larry, since he's his friend, is Richard a high-maintenance person, to which Larry basically starts laughing. Of course he is. Like, have you met Richard? Um, and I guess Jeff is saying, well, I thought maybe that's just like his act, but you're, you're, no, you're confirming for me that his act is the real Richard. Yeah. And it's also funny because basically all the relationships in Curb – which Curb implies pre-exist, obviously really only start at the start of the series because Richard and Jeff are basically Larry's two best friends and will always socialize over the next 10 seasons of this show. But at, at this point, obviously, they don't even know each other. And that's sort uh, of generally right. true of all the characters. Um, as they get introduced one by one, like Funkhauser, they act as if they're all friends, but they don't really know anything. Other than Larry, there's not really a lot of connective tissue. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Um, okay, so they're continuing their lunch, and uh, who walks by but some guy who recognizes Jeff. We learn his name is Tom Clark. Um, Jeff introduces him to Larry as the guy who sold him his Toyota. Um, I guess now he has a Toyota that the uh, Chevrolet is out of commission. Um Larry talks about how he, you know, he's always been fascinated with the idea of becoming a car salesman. How does one even become that? What's, you know, what's the process? Uh, he's always thought he'd be good at it since he can talk anyone to anything other than talking women into having sex with him. But otherwise, he's very good at manipulating people. Yeah. Uh, Tom seems very insulted by this and actually starts pushing back. The word back manipulate, certainly. Yeah, yeah like, you know, he obviously, you know, car salesmen don't always have the best reputation for being, like, honest people. Um, and he doesn't like that Larry is playing into the stereotype. And he says, you know, Selling a car isn't bullshit. Um, so Larry says, you know what? Why don't I come down and try it for a day? <laughs> this, you know, initially, again, seems to like just frustrate Tom because like this guy, Larry David, who's never sold a car in his life, thinks that he's just going to like walk onto the lot and start selling cars. He says, listen, like just so you know, like there's no chance you're selling a car on your first day. Larry says he guarantees that he will outsell all of his salesmen <laughs> because he's just such a natural gifted salesman. No problem. So Tom says, OK. And they agree that Larry will come in on Monday and take a shot at being a car salesman. Now, there's a couple motivations here that I, I want to ask you about. First of all, Jeff, to see Tom ha walking by by chance, some random guy who Larry doesn't know who once sold Jeff a car, and to invite him to sit with them is completely insane. Now, they need it for the plot, but it makes no logical sense. Larry would hate that, and Jeff would never do that in any other circumstance. Like, invite yeah, the guy and say, hey, please sit with us. Yeah, generally, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess we, you know, the only way it makes sense if we assume they have some other relationship, and but although then that's probably not how we would have introduced him to yeah. Larry if like they're old college buddies or something like that. Yeah, and then the next one is what is Tom's motivation? Is Tom's motivation, hey, Larry's a celebrity, and you know, because he doesn't advertise that at all 
you know, in the store, like, hey, come buy, you know, buy a car from the from the uh, writer of Seinfeld. Yeah, I mean, I guess he figures there's like some upside here, um, you know, having a celebrity involved in your business somehow. You know, kudos. And like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, you know, he's he can like, get into a, a physical fight with his friend and smash. Yes, into a okay, car but and like, customer. sure, you know, he hasn't seen the show. Yeah. Um, but like, reasonably, he's like, all right. Worst case, he comes in, he doesn't sell any cars. You know, I'm probably not any worse off than I was before. You know, yeah. he works on commission, presumably. Um, so like, whatever. You know, let's give this a shot. If after three days it doesn't work out, we'll just get rid of him. Yeah, I suppose um, so. Yeah, I think that's probably the best explanation. Um, so we uh, we go back to the hotel. Uh, Cheryl's on the phone uh, with presumably the real estate agent we see, and she tells Larry, great news. Uh, everything's done. We can move into the house on Monday. Larry yeah. says, mm, this sorry, never I can't. This fast. He, he didn't even sign any papers. Like- yeah. Right. Um, Larry says, actually, I can't do on Monday because I just got a new job. Cheryl at first is very excited until she finds out that the job in question is working as a car salesman. Um, And Larry says, like, what do you want from me? I you know, I agreed to do a job. I can't just like not show up on my first day of work. Yeah. And also, Um, what's Cheryl's issue? Like, we know she has friends in the auto industry, right? What do you mean? From last season? Her friend who owns the Amco? Oh, meaning why is she against Larry? Yeah, because she married a millionaire who writes TV shows, not a guy who... Although, like, I don't know why she cares. Like, it seems like they're very secure financially. So, like, if she Larry... She doesn't want to sit around at home all day, but here he's yeah. getting out of the house every day. Yeah, so, so yeah, if, he's, if he's going to get off his gollies, you know, trying to sell cars, like, what does she care? Yeah, um, she yeah. I mean, I could see, like, why it's, like, somewhat frustrating, like, when you are you think you're with a certain type of guy and, like, they want to do something totally different that just, to you, feels like... You know, beneath them in some way. Yeah. Um, but like, practically speaking, she shouldn't really care. Um, she should be more upset about the fact that like he thinks it's like appropriate that he's just gonna like not be around the day that they're moving houses and like yeah. he's like, Although, oh, it's, it's okay. The fact that she bought and scheduled not just a closing but a moving in date all in like you know ten minutes without consulting with him. Yeah, without right. He should, <laughs> right. You know, maybe you want to run by him first. Hey, are you available on Monday? I mean, yeah. she assumes he is available because yeah, he's, he's doing nothing available. all day. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, um, he's he uh, Larry's working on his practicing his pitch of cars, uh, Corolla, Canola. He asks, "Is it Rave or is it Rav?" To which Cheryl remarks, "This is so stupid," <laughs> which it is. Yes. Um, Larry points out that well, it might be stupid, but it's less stupid than trying to run a marathon or swim the channel, which other people try to do just to see if they can. And he says, "You know what? But when I come home from work, I'll you know I'll come back to the new house and I'll help with like hanging picture frames or what else." Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks, Larry. It's very helpful. You'll come I at do the love, end. By the way, so when I sort of defend my my podcasting to my wife, I say to her, "Look, think of all like the." The, the deviant activities that your spouse could be into. It could be into gambling or into drugs or into, you know, like sex or whatever. Yeah. With, well, and you're, instead, are you, are, and you're not into any of those things. No, well, of course. But like the activity that I'm per- performing is, you know, po- talking to my friends and recording it and posting it on the internet. Like, you know, of all sort of the vices that your husband can have, this is really like not so hard. And it's funny that Larry does, he goes the opposite way. He doesn't say to his wife, hey, look, instead of a vice, I'm just going to sell cars. He says all the honorable things he could be doing, like, you know, running a marathon or climbing Yeah, Everest. well, I feel like Cheryl David would be much more annoyed if Larry said he's going to try to run a marathon because like that's very time consuming. There's no chance that's going to work out. Oh, no, like, she'd be supportive of it, I think. You don't think so? Uh, I think she would view it as a big waste. It would just be like such a ridiculous thing for him to think he's going to do. So I think she would just be like, what's what is this? What you know, what's what's the real agenda here? Yeah, perhaps. Um, Anyway, so we move on to what I would say is probably not only the best scene of this episode, but probably one of my favorite scenes of this series. And it's one that 
one of the first ones that like I remember like quoting people telling people like you need to see this show because of this like amazing Larry David Jason Alexander interaction. So we move to Jason's office and he's on the phone when Larry walks in. Larry asks who he's talking to. Jason says somebody named Alan. I couldn't hear his last name. I don't know if you caught it. No, they make sort of a point of of, of blurring putting it us out. on Larry's perspective, which is that you know Jason's like too important to even share these details with Larry. No, he's, Larry's, no, he's he, Larry's he says Alan. Boy. He says Alan something. Oh, he does say it to Larry. Yeah, he says oh, Alan oh, something. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's that Larry wants him to pass on a hello. Yeah, he says, yeah. you know, say hi for me, to which yeah. Jason, he just says goodbye he and hangs up. And then, uh, <laughs> right, right, Larry asks why he didn't say hello. And Jerry says there was no opening to do it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they quickly catch up. And uh, Jason basically reiterates what we already had heard Jay tell Larry the previous day or two ago, that he just can't shake the George thing. Uh, wherever he goes, people, they see the idiot. They see the schmuck. They, uh, you know, he'll be walking. And it's funny yeah. because did you ever use those adjectives to describe George Costanza? Uh, no, I kind of like agree with Larry that I just think of George Moore as being funny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, I think schmuck is an appropriate word. I don't think idiot really is because George is a pretty sharp guy. Nebuch, but, you know, like, yeah. he always, or like he always has bad luck. Yeah. But the schlamazel to use he's, more and more. Yeah, he has bad luck English. and he's yeah. a bad person and he's like yeah. unattractive and like incompetent <laughs> in certain ways. <laughs> well, but he is like a sharp guy. So I don't think he's an idiot. Yeah. Although he is Lord George Costanza, Lord of the Idiots. So yes, um, Larry's confused because he thinks he's just funny. Um, as George explains, no, he's the guy who never gets the girl. When he finally gets the girl, he kills her with the envelopes. Yes. Um, he then you know goes on to uh, reference a series of things that happened in Seinfeld. Uh, you know, All stealing the tape out of a girl's day, of answering machine, eating the Ecklers <laughs> out of a garbage can. Um, <laughs> Being in a masturbation concept, contest, all of which Larry says, I did that, I did that, you know I did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Larry says, what do you mean? I'm a schmuck for being in a masturbation contest, to which Jason remarks, you know, it's not an incredibly noble experiment, is it? <laughs> um, so then Larry says, you know, he accuses Jason of hating the character. Jason says, I don't hate the character, I'm just tired of it. I have a range of characters I can play, and I shouldn't be relegated to only being George all the time. Everywhere goes on the street, people are yelling at him, hey, Costanza, hey, jackass. Yeah, which, that, again, that part's idiotic. Nobody yeah, there's no one. Because I hate jackass. Correct, yeah. He's like one of the most beloved <laughs> characters in TV history. No one sees Jason Alexander on the street and yells, hey, jackass. Him. I would assume. <laughs> if so, stop doing that. They That's might really be yelling at Jason obnoxious. Alexander like, because he is a jackass, but... Yeah, right. Yeah, that could be right. It has nothing to do with George. Like yeah. they, Jason Alexander, like stole their wallet or something. Yeah. Um, well, he's also as, just kind of a jerk. But so as uh, as they're sitting and talking, you see the look. You see the uh, the wheel spinning in Larry's head. He's having an epiphany, and he suggests to Jason that the very experience that he is currently having would make an excellent premise for a sitcom. We Jason could play a himself essentially uh an actor who used to play a george costanza like character in a huge sitcom hit and afterwards struggles finding work because he's been typecast at that character and nobody could see him as anyone else other than that now Av, let me ask you do you like the larry's idea for the show do you think it's good because everyone yeah. seems to really like it i think it's a i think it's a fun idea for a show i mean the the premise for a sitcom is like 0.1% of the work of a sitcom. It's yes. like how much, how many sitcoms like are the premise? It's like, oh, yeah. there's people who work in an office together. They're friends yeah. in New York City. Um, you know, you, you, the execution of it is 99.9% yes. making a good sitcom. So like, but yeah, I think it's, that could be a fun premise. Um, especially, you know, if you get interesting people involved, you could do, do a lot of just like inside Hollywood stuff. And like people are generally interested in like the machinations of Hollywood, I think, in TV and movies. So it could definitely be a worthwhile sitcom, I think. Okay. 
Um, Jason says he's interested. Let's do it. Let's try to make this happen. Larry says, oh, actually, I can't because I just started working. Um, I'm going to be starting to sell cars on Monday. And Jason, of course, is extremely bewildered because why did they just have this meeting to brainstorm ideas if Larry is not going to do it? And what is he exactly is he doing that he's he's out of showbiz now so he could sell cars? Uh, he's very confused. Um, now, so to be get- fair... Larry did not come into this meeting intending to come up with any ideas. I mean, Larry even says our, our managers have set us up on this little blind date here. Yeah, of course. But like Jason, I, I probably at least assumed like Larry's coming in with like with in something. good faith with like the idea yeah. of being like if they come up with something, they'll, yeah. you know, try Gotta to pursue it. Yeah. Not that like Larry's like already like committed to some other thing that has nothing to do with TV. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we get like a nice montage of Larry uh, getting ready for work. This is similar to uh, the montage we had when he goes uh, to back to the jewelry store and not want to be one. seen as a homeless yes. man in season one. Um, you know, he's getting on his tie. He's shaving. He's having a shower. He gives Cheryl a kiss and says, see you in the new house. And he wishes she wishes him luck on his first day at his new job. <laughs> Um, so we then cut back to uh, – we cut over to the car dealership. Uh, Larry is in Tom's office, and all we really need to hear is the end of the conversation where Tom makes it very clear to Larry that he's not allowed to start really negotiating price with any customers without coming to talk to him first, which when you hear it, you assume, okay, like this is going to be like the big thing that gets him in trouble is that he's just going to like sell a car to somebody at the wrong price and then get fired for that because he, you know, he was supposed to come talk to Tom. So I was very surprised um, since I didn't really remember what happens here that that didn't come back to roost at some point. Yeah. Um, we then see Larry interact with a series of customers um, that he, all, he tries to charm them all rather than showing any knowledge or ability to deal with cars. Um, first, we have a guy named Archie. Larry remarks that his wife's name is Veronica. Well, you know, you'll, this will be a common theme here. Um, he says, you know, you hear Lexus, we don't hear Camry, but that's what we should be hearing. He asks what's in the engine, big stuff, big charging, crazy pistons, nutty pistons. Um, did Larry's interactions with Archie remind you of anybody? With Archie specifically? Yes. Who can, who can, can you think of somebody prominent who you can hear saying the expression, big stuff, big charging, crazy pistons, nutty pistons? Like a person we know in life, or somebody from yeah. Seinfeld. All right, I'm thinking of Donald Trump. He's, he's, oh, he's, he okay. he seems very much like Donald Trump to me. He's, like, he's uh, you know, okay. he goes on this whole rant of you uh, hear Lexus, you don't hear Camry, but you should be hearing Camry. Big uh, stuff, big charging, crazy pistons, nutty pistons. All right, that seemed to me like the way Donald Trump would talk uh, if he was perhaps. trying to sell cars, um, which I'm sure he's tried at some point and failed miserably at. <laughs> Uh, then we have a uh, customer named Shirley. Larry says that's his mother's name. She asks about the tilt wheel steering. Larry says you don't need the you don't need the tilt in this car. He's never had a problem with tilt. His wife calls the car Peppy. Uh, she asks him about the gas mileage, which Larry just says fifty two. Obviously, he just made up this number, but it depends on the city. Duluth is a city, but it's not as big as Brooklyn. He explains. Yes. Um, you know, we get it. We get a couple more customers. They ask about the wheelbase. He says it's a thick base. Larry says it'll roll over. Oh, sorry, the customer is worried that it'll roll over. Larry wants to demonstrate how strong it is, so he starts banging on the window, which, of course, sets off the car alarm. Um, we have a character uh, named Dana who wants to know the difference between GT and GTS. Larry makes up that GTS stands for Guaranteed Tremendous Safety, um, which will leave the customer baffled because then without the S, it's just Guaranteed Tremendous, which obviously doesn't make any sense. Um, then there's a, a couple... Uh, we learned the man's name is Atheon, which Larry says is his stepbrother's name. Dana's also I, Larry's middle name. You forgot that one. Oh, yes. Larry Dana David, yes. I would have I watched, like, I, the tw- I'm, however many hours they filmed doing this, because this, this whole thing, obviously, <laughs> was, you know, they probably had a bunch of people come in and play the yeah. different uh, customers. 
and the whole thing I'm sure was was ad libbed and non scripted. I would have watched four hours of this. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I don't know why he thinks the my my mother or my brother's name is X is a a good tactic, yeah. but apparently, you know, this is what he thinks is gold. Oh, you don't think? I think when you meet somebody, people do that to me all the time. When I oh Alexander, that's my son's name, that's my nephew's name. People always do that to me, like yeah. salespeople. And so it, it, it works. must be a tried and true tactic. <laughs> yeah, I identify. suppose. Um, Anyway, doesn't work on me. We got to get like a quick, uh, a quick super cut of basically all the customers making up excuses to get out of talking to Larry, saying, you know, I'm gonna, is there someone else who can help me, or I really don't need to buy anything today, and you know, basically he goes 0 for five, 0 for six, whatever it is, um, and his last attempt is someone who he asks, "Have you seen the Seinfeld show?" I'm the co-creator. She then walks away, um, and then the last thing we hear in this scene is him just saying, "Please buy one to somebody." <laughs> yes. Um, if he's so desperate, so, why, why isn't he just buy one himself? You know, use a, use a front man. Yeah, well, he wants to show he could do it. Um, so Larry comes home. Uh, Cheryl asks how it went. He says he didn't sell anything. So Cheryl wonders. Hopefully, are you over it? But Larry just really doesn't want to quit. Um, and by the way, you have to. When Larry comes home, the house looks as if it's been completely unpacked. The amount Cheryl has done in, in one day is unprecedented. Yeah. Well, presumably, I mean. Presumably they hired movers, so I mean I don't know. But like but they yeah. already have all like their, their little accoutrements and their little, yeah every you know. every yeah everything is good yeah. to go yeah that's that's a it's a bit much. Um, but they're you know they're in the house. And they both agree that something about the house seems a little bit different than when they saw it earlier. Um, the uh, we cut to them upstairs back in bed. And they start hearing a weird noise. Cheryl says it's probably a house sound. Either it's the plumbing or the house settling. Larry doesn't believe there is such a thing as a house noise. And he goes searching for the sound, seeing if he could find it. And he gets very angry that Jay didn't say anything about a house sound, you know, the guy that he doesn't trust. Yeah. Um, Does your house have – or have you ever been in a house that makes house sounds? Yeah, all houses have house sounds. Uh, Okay. I think so. I mean, mine has like the sound of like three small boys like screaming at all times and fighting with each other. You don't like but, you're never just like sitting around at night and like just like little little. Oh, crickets. there are specific noises like oh, well, th- but I know what they are. Like you know, this toilet doesn't work and this you know, but it's yeah. not like in uh, undefined uh, uh, you know house sound the way that they have. Yeah, I think sometimes like you know, especially like older houses, like the floors just like creak yeah. a little bit and like you know, yeah. who the hell knows what's behind the walls? Yeah, my my house is 150 years old, so trust me, I'm familiar with old houses, but yeah. <laughs> all right. But, yeah, um, sadly, I don't have. Uh, uh, it's not that I don't have house sounds; it's that I do. I just know what they all are, and I know who I have to pay to fix them. Which uh, I almost wish I had a unsolvable house sound because then I, I could get my wife off my back and say, "Listen, it's just a house sound." Yeah. Um, a house sound is uh, probably more annoying than a wire in your backyard. Well, yeah, because the wire you only notice when you actually go outside. But yeah, right. that's why um, they didn't do their full due diligence. They uh, bought the house too quickly. Yeah, everyone knows uh, you got to spend a, an evening in the house to find out if there's sounds or ghosts. That's right. Um, so we uh, we go back to the car dealership, and Larry seems to have a live customer who's ready to buy. He just wants to find out about the wood grain. Um, and all of a sudden, Richard Lewis walks in. He wants to know what's going on here. Is this a joke? Larry's like starting to get upset. He's saying, you know, wait for me outside. Leave me alone. Um, and basically, after a few seconds of them interacting, the customer just like walks away. Um, and Richard Lewis wants to know what's going on. What are you doing here? What are you fucking Willie Loman? Uh, he said he tells him that he was just having lunch with Jeff, and Jeff told him that he was selling cars, and he said that must be a big joke. I have to see what's going on with this. But most of all, he's upset that Larry had called him high maintenance to Jeff. Um, Larry all of a sudden notices that Richard and there's is nothing more this... low maintenance than going down in person to call someone <laughs> out for calling you high maintenance. Exactly. Um, Richard uh, Larry notices that Richard is wearing the same cashmere sweater that 
Jay was wearing the other day, and Larry wants. Yeah, of course. Larry wants to see the label so he could find out if it's 100% cashmere. And they start arguing. They start pushing each other. All of a sudden, the uh, the owner, Tom, walks in. He sees Larry, who has not sold the car, is involved in some big tussle in front of all the customers and tells Larry he's fired and he should get the hell out of here. <laughs> so we go back home. Larry comes in. He tells Cheryl he got fired. Uh, we, yeah, he, yeah, he seems like, you he know, got the boot. He, he got, you know, he got the experience he was looking for. Yes. Um, there's a worker named Jim there. He's trying to figure out what the house sound is, but he can't find it anywhere. Uh, Larry realizes that the sound really only manifests itself at night, and maybe Jim should come back at night. Um, Jim says, I could, but I have to get a sitter. Cheryl doesn't really want him to come back at night. Larry says, he said it's no big deal, yada, yada, whatever. Um, Larry tells Cheryl, you know what? I'm just going to call Jason tomorrow and tell him let's do the show. Cheryl's very relieved, very happy. Larry says, you know what? Maybe I'll just give him a call now. Cheryl says, no, you can't call him now. It's 1045. That's 45 minutes past the cup, uh, the cutoff time, as we know from last season very well. Um, and Larry says, no, no, no. What are you talking about? You get an extra hour if you're calling with good news, which, yeah. again, obviously a thing that Larry made up. That's not a thing. <laughs> uh, they start arguing about this point back and forth. And then we see that Jim is there and he tells him to be quiet because he's trying to hear the noise. And the season premiere of season two comes to a conclusion. Yeah. I thought the episode ends sort of a little bit surprisingly. Yeah, it was like, very a abrupt. A little too quickly. Yeah. A little abrupt, perhaps. Yeah, I agree with that. Other than that, though, what's your takeaway about this uh, debut episode of season one? Um, I thought it was a, a better better than average episode overall, although I think the the Larry-Jason interactions does a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, that's just like such a memorable scene. It's just like so exciting to actually have Jason Alexander in the show and the whole dynamic yeah. of Larry as George and George as, as Larry and yada yada. And, I think you know, in 2020 we take that for granted a little bit, but if you can transplant back to the first time you saw that 18 years ago or 16 years ago or 20, whenever it was that you saw this for the first time, I guess couldn't be more than 19 years ago. Um, and, and, and also it's pre-internet, it's pre-YouTube. You couldn't just go find clips of Larry David and, and Jason Alexander talking about the characters of Seinfeld. Like All we really had of Seinfeld was the episodes of Seinfeld. So yeah. this was like an incredible moment. Yeah, which is why, I, you know, as I said earlier, like this was the thing about the show that like I was instantly just like blown away by and like telling people you need to see this thing. If you're a Seinfeld fan, there's a scene where the guy who is the inspiration for George like hangs out with George and they talk about Seinfeld and George's things that he did on the show on Seinfeld. It's just like it was crazy at the time. Um, and I think it still holds up like so many years later, just because the more we get to know Larry David, as you said, the more we see how similar the two characters are. Yeah. So what's um so yeah so I'm gonna give it uh, three pretties I'll say pretty 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 good it's overall it's not an amazing episode but I'm definitely excited to be back into season two when I know that we're gonna you know just uh, get better from here yeah I'll just go like a tad higher and give it a three point five pretty 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 good I think I did that right. I don't, did I do yeah. that right yeah sounds good <laughs> enough and that and that's because of the the Jason Alexander scene though. yeah I I mean yeah I think without that scene this is probably a weak episode but that you know that scene and just you know the whole excitement of like Larry and and Jason doing something together and we know you know if you know where the season goes that just gets me really excited for this episode yep I think I know the answer but who's your come with guy Uh, my come with guy is Jason has to be yes Uh, not much of a debate there but here's a tough one who is your worst person of the episode 
Um, this is, yeah, this was less clear to me. Um, I, I went back and forth a couple times seeing if I could find somebody else, but I think we're going to go for, I think this is now the second time for me. I think you've had him a couple times also. Um, I'll just go with Richard Lewis since he acts like a total jerk at the end and gets Larry fired for no reason when Larry says, just wait for me outside. You know, that's easily what he should have done. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's anyone else that really acts badly in this episode. Yeah. I couldn't come up with anybody myself. I really thought about it and I had a blank. So, um, but I'm not going to have a blank. I'll, I'll just jump on board with you. So we'll say Richard Lewis gets the win here. So congrats, Richard. Yep. But still, he's nowhere near our worst person overall. No, no, no. Yeah, he, you know, he's. I mean, he's only in one scene of the show, so it's yeah. hard for him to really uh, earn that. But you know, in that he really uh, holds his weight in that one scene. Just acts like a complete jerk. Yeah. Um, and um, I think the only uh, celebrity or you know acting appearance of note here again is Jason Alexander playing himself. Yeah. Um, which in I my guess... notes, I actually wrote uh, George Costanza, uh, played by Jason Alexander. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so I guess you know he's. I, I would assume he's probably on the same level as Julia Louis Dreyfus, and I, you know certainly he, uh, he would argue that he should be higher than Ted Danson. <laughs> but yeah. Now let me ask you, Av, did you see um, in, in terms of the latest Jason Alexander? Uh, media out there did you see the saturday night seder no i did not see that what is that from oh so there was a a, a, a seder like the uh the passover seder which is the ceremony that jews do on the first night of, of yeah passover. i'm familiar with the seder well i'm explaining it for some <laughs> listeners who might not be yeah. so uh so a bunch of jewish and non-jewish celebrities made like a 45 minute or actually it was over an hour a uh, seder on saturday night of all of them in their respective homes uh Sort of, uh, sort of the same. Did you watch SNL Saturday Night? Uh, the only part I saw was the uh, teenage, uh, sorry, the middle aged mutant ninja turtle. Oh, okay, yeah. Sketch, so, so, anyway, so it was funny. the same concept. So Saturday Night Seder was a bunch of people in their own homes singing together and telling jokes together and and raising money for the, I forget what the charity's called, the CDC something. Anyways, Jason Alexander is the MC, is the host, is the Baal Habayas, I guess, if from a Seder perspective. He's the one who sort of kicks things off uh, with the kiddish at the beginning of the Seder. And Jason Alexander in 2020 is thinner than Jason Alexander was all the way back to probably season one of Seinfeld. Wow. But uh, Jason Alexander in uh, season two of Curb was definitely quite heavier than he was in Seinfeld. Yes. So, yeah. So good to see Jason Alexander is uh, quite fit. He's looking very trim, actually. Oh, good for Jason. Yeah. Anyway, um, Saturday Night Seder, uh, you can find it on YouTube. It has its moments. Uh, there's a couple good songs, uh, and there's a couple good bits. Richard Kind is in it, obviously, because by law, anything related to Jewishness and pop culture, Richard Kind has to be in there. He has a whole bit with Deborah Messing, which the, the first time they do it, it's good, and then and this is probably true for the whole hour. The first time you see a bit, it's good, and then by the fourth time, it's a little bit, you know, sort of like the actual Seder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Do we have any emails? We have three emails. The first one comes from Bob Savage, who says, first episode I ever watched, and I love it. I love the montage of Larry selling cars and the customer's reactions. My only issue with the episode is the house noise. This felt like it was there for filler material only. Thankfully, it's a very small part of an otherwise great episode. Really looking forward to revisiting this season. 4.5 pretties. Oh, wow. Now, when he says it's the first episode he ever watches, so he... Did he watch this like live? He saw season two, or when he just went back, he saw it on a rerun one time. This is I'm sort of that's I'm interested to know how people got into this show because again, this was sort of in the pre-internet era, even the pre-HBO um, era for most people. Yeah, um, so, yeah. yeah Bob, so let us know next week. Bob can let us know. Yeah, I have all the information yeah. you have. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Bob, write into us and uh, give us more info. Yeah. Um, the second email is from Zach. He says, "Oh, look at this. Car salesman Larry is basically a less dangerous Donald Trump." So me and Zach are oh. on the same wavelength there. Interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, he gives it a 3.5 half point bump for the Jason Alexander scene, but loses a half a point because the story doesn't really tie together. Um, yeah, that's true. Like the two, the house story and the Jason story are pretty separate from each other. Um, oh, and the uh, and the car selling story also doesn't really intersect. So yeah, there's really yeah. kind of three distinct stories that never really come together the way the very best curb episodes often do. And sampled, obviously. Yes. Uh, all right. Last email comes from Olin Allen. It says, hope you guys had a good Passover. After the great ending to season one, this was a bit of a downer. Cheryl returning to some minorly villainous ways. Doesn't seem suited to Larry's artistic temperament, but happy to live off his success. The Jason Alexander office interaction was the highlight and most memorable piece for me. Very meta about real Larry creating a scenario where fake Larry is annoyed by the common consensus on the other fake Larry of George Costanza. Not sure I followed that, but sounds funny. Uh, Jason Alexander also plays up some George elements, such as the snort when stating he hates playing George. Also disagreed that he was a loser that never got the lady considering the number of attractive girlfriends George had. Yeah, I agree with that. George is getting girls left and right. Yeah, but he never keeps them. Yeah, but it's but like he's not. He, yeah. But yeah, he gets he gets girls. Yeah. Um, he also enjoyed seeing the items on his wall. A portrait of Coneheads was very funny, for better or for worse. Just looking, it's surprising that he doesn't have Seinfeld anywhere in his office. But I guess you know everyone knows that. But you yeah. still think there would be some sort of Seinfeld memorabilia no, it, somewhere it's in a your office? Bit odd. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, he thought the car sales montage was a bit light, but the music underplaying it kept it at a good rhythm. A bit disappointed. He played the I wrote Seinfeld card, and they really petered out. Uh, for the come with guy, not a great episode for it, but Jason Alexander, um, villain of the week, he goes with Richard Lewis. Okay. And for the rating, he gives it two out of five. So Olin, uh, a little bit lower on this episode, or you know, quite a bit and lower. He, on the and he was a little bit are. higher for much of last season. So yeah, yeah. when we zig, he zags, and when we zag, he zigs. I guess and that's why we keep Olin around. Yes. <laughs> All right, uh, what do we have next week? <laughs> next week we have Thor. A, an episode where Larry has a negative interaction with a professional wrestler. You know, Thor, of course, is the uh, the nickname for one of my favorite players on the New York Metropolitans. But, of course, he got injured for the whole season. He has Tommy John surgery. But given that this is a season that will probably not exist, I say that that is... Pretty, 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 pretty good. Timing. <laughs> 